well-known author and person who's been a uh, resident of Israel for 20 years, who knows a lot about the Middle East, and he has some really hot news on what God is doing. Uh, you know, I'm tired of these Bible prophecy guys always talking about what the devil's doing. What God is doing around our world, especially in the Middle East. And so can we show our appreciation for Ron Cantrell to come on and join us? This is his first time with us, and Ron, we want you to make yourself at home. Just want to open acknowledging the presence of the Holy Spirit here this morning. Holy Spirit, it's silly to invite you to come because you're here. <clears throat> Open the eyes of our heart, Lord, that we can see you closer than our skin. You're closer than the air around us. You're right here. You're with us all the time. Forgive us for getting wrapped in cocoons of dullness where we cannot see you, where we can't plug into you. So, Lord, we want to plug in today. We want to, we want to up the voltage and get to know your presence in a different way. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much. I met Alan. Uh, before I do that, thank you so much for the worship this morning. You know, when I was in Bible school in, <clears throat> in uh, Los Angeles, California, <clears throat> we were, uh, it was... Uh, different denominations. So the Pentecostals were told, you know, if you speak in tongues, will you please do that in your closet because you're going to uh, offend the Baptists. Now, I don't know why they didn't say to the Baptists, you know, if you don't speak in tongues, just say some things because you don't want to offend the Pentecostals. <laughs> so we laid things aside and I am so sorry, but we used to sneak off to Andre Crouch's father's church in the valley. And those people, let me tell you, they would fall out of the choir loft just it was it was televised uh, it was live televised but when the tv camera went off oh my goodness <laughs> so i'd go for my andre fix uh and the the worship the way it really should be done uh and i was going to say alan and i met a couple of years ago at uh, uh bob and boo summers house uh, i was speaking at a meeting that they had here and I think that probably Alan remembers that Ron. But two years ago, two years and two months ago, the Lord took me to heaven and he showed me who he really is. And I've never been the same. Two years of amazing upgrades. We're just continually going up and up and up and downloads. Everybody likes downloads and everybody likes upgrades. And that's what it's been for two years. So. I'm not normal anymore. I've been ruined for the ordinary. <laughs> I can't just, I don't do church really well, so I hope I can do this correctly this morning uh, and not offend anyone. You know, if you're offended, let me tell you that there's no place in a human body for offenses and the powerful move of the Holy Spirit. So you get to choose. You know, offenses are warm, fuzzy things. You can just hold on to them and just, I'm so offended. You know, the pastor didn't let me do this or he didn't let me do that. But there's no room. There's no room for the Holy Spirit to really rip a hole in your universe. So you got to choose. And this morning, I just want to proclaim over this place, open heaven. Okay? And the, and the Celtic believers, the Celtic believers used to call them thin places. And they understood it to be when heaven kind of pushed down from the third heaven and, and squeezed out all the demonic forces and the believers could actually just reach up with their hands and touch the glory of God Almighty. And <laughs> your world is being turned upside down and not by the enemy. Stop watching the news, okay? If you need a piece of news, someone will tell you and you'll go, Oh, yeah, I know. And then you'll go, oh, I got to go find out on, on, on uh, the Internet because I don't know what's going on in the world. You know, I used to be a news pound. I just, 
I was always reporting to people all the horrible things that are going on. And I, I can't do that anymore because heaven is touching earth. Heaven is coming down to the face of the earth all over the world. Carol, my wife, and I get the privilege of traveling to places all over the world. We just did 22 nations in 50 days last year on a prayer tour where the Holy Spirit said, go. I will tell you where to go, where to be, what time to be there. We had several speaking engagements, but he said, I want your schedule loose enough for me to to move you when I want to move you. I cannot tell you the things. Uh, Marching around the mosque in in, uh, Morocco and... uh, squirting oil around the mosque and praying for dreams and visions to come down to the Muslims who are inside these mosques. And we found out that while we're doing that, I looked up at the, at the minaret on the mosque and there's a white flag flying from it. And I'm going, Carol, in London, that means the queen is inside. And I'm going, I'll bet the king is here. Now you have to understand that the capital city of Morocco is Rabat and it's much further south than where we were in, in uh, uh, Tangier. So here we are, and we asked someone, said, what does that mean? They're going, oh, well, the king is inside today. And I'm going, we were two days early on the schedule that we thought we should be. So we're in this place two days before we really thought we should be there to march around the mosque while the king is inside. God is amazing. God is amazing. We, we, we march around mosques on the I-99 corridor in the San Joaquin Valley of California, squirting oil and praying and uh, praying down visions and dreams. And Lodi and Stockton are the first two places that I decided to, to start this thing that I do. And now we do it all over the world. And we knew on this uh, 50-day trip to 22 nations that Istanbul had to be one of those places to pray around Hagia Sophia, which used to be a church. And now it's a mosque and the blue mosque, which is the the big, big, big one. We arrived exactly in the middle of Ramadan. Ramadan goes from the dark of the moon to the dark of the moon. Okay. We got there on the night of the full moon and the Lord's going, yes, you did. (laughs) This is what I want you to do. And I told Carol, Ramadan, there were people everywhere. There were people sleeping in the parks. There were people sleeping between the curb and the, and the sidewalks. The city was filled with people. I said, Carol, I've got to go do this squirting, praying thing at night because if they see me, they'll stone me to death. So I did. And the next day she said, well, let's go to the Grand Bazaar and let's pray through the Grand Bazaar. So we did. This is 3,000 shops in a, in, a, in a walled area of Istanbul with 18 gates. And as we came out of one of the gates... A man said in beautiful English, would you like to see my shop? And I'm going, well, you know, we would, but we're traveling really light and we're not buying any souvenirs. And he, and he said, well, okay. But I said, but your English is so amazing. Where did you learn English like this? Because he's talking like a Californian. And he said, well, I lived in America for two years. And I said, where did you live? He said, oh, I lived in Lodi and worked in Stockton. <laughs> so God had to take me halfway around the world to show me that this thing that some people might call stupid is really effective. So we prayed for him. We didn't necessarily lead him to the Lord, but we prayed for him and we blessed him. And like you said, it doesn't always have to be like the the church thinks it has to be. But this man suddenly knew, oh my gosh, God sent me someone from thousands and thousands of miles away. So what I said, your world is being turned upside down. We're seeing prayer. <laughs> you just came from the, uh, what, what was it? The, the response, is that what it was called? In uh, Houston, Texas, 30,000 people. 30,000 people on their faces before God for this nation. You know what? If I was a CEO, yeah, go ahead. Give him a hand. Amen. If I was a CEO of a large company in the United States, I would be funding this because Isaiah says, if my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, seek my face, seek my face, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Okay, that's his promise to us. And it's not if my people who are called by my name will do devotions for 15 minutes and bring me a laundry list 
and go to sleep when I start talking to them. It's when they seek my face. I can't bring the Lord laundry lists anymore. I did that for 38 and a half years and that's enough. It is enough. I come to him to see his beauty. Oh, <laughs> if you haven't seen his beauty, I just release that on you right now. And, and make sure you're in a place where you can fall down. Okay, because he wants you to see him. He wants you to feel him. He wants you to feel him blow his breath across your face. He wants you to feel his heartbeat. He wants you right here with him in an intimate uh, in an intimate place you've never known before. And you know what? He's lonely. Jesus is lonely. <laughs> and he's lonely for you. Because there's nobody else in this room that can meet his need for you. Do you know he needs you? You know, if you read the Song of Solomon, and both Christian and Jewish uh, scholars have agreed that this is a picture of the King Almighty and his bride, and we are the bride of Christ. Men, I know that that's a little hard to imagine yourself in a wedding dress. But if that troubles you, then be his warrior, okay? Because he needs warriors. <laughs> you are so over-equipped to fight this battle. Don't sing songs about Satan anymore, okay? That's nothing against your worship, but... Uh, the devil doesn't know where you are. Why? Because you're hid with Christ Amen. in God. Amen. He's inside you. Amen. You're inside him. Amen. And then you're both thrown into the ocean of God's love. And Satan doesn't have any idea where you are. He knows nothing about it. He doesn't know what you're going to do next. He doesn't know where you've been or where you're going to go. He doesn't understand what makes you tick because he can't read your mind. He just throws out fiery darts by the millions. And you happen to get in the way of one of them and you think, oh, I've been attacked by Satan. No, you haven't. You just picked up a fiery dart. And you know what the fiery darts are? They're things to turn your face away from a blessing that's headed your way like a tsunami. And he wants you worried about this little thing over here. And the fiery darts, I've just learned to go, mm, psh, <laughs> don't need that. And I'm turning my face and my posture toward the blessing that's coming up on me. And God wants to overwhelm you. He wants to overwhelm you like you've never known before with blessing. He wants you in a new place. He wants you in a new relationship with him. We've got prayer, 24 seven prayer going on all over the world. Uh, the Houston worship group, part of them were from IHOP in Kansas City, International House of Prayer, Misty Edwards. You know, these people have not stopped worship for 12 years. We were there uh, at, to watch uh, how they do this. And they've got the band on stage. And when they change the two-hour sets, they don't have the whole band stop and trade bands. They, they change one instrument at a time so that the music has not stopped for 12 years. 12 years Worship has been going on from that place. Pete Grigg, who wrote Red Moon Rising, in the same month of the same year, started the 24-7 prayer movement in his church southwest, I believe, of London. And they did it as, a, as an experiment. Can we do 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week uh, seven prayer for just one week? And Pete's going, gosh, that's going to be hard. Now, where are we going to get the people to staff all those hours so they started and they tried it and <laughs> it wasn't pete's idea it was the holy spirit and people began to come from the city to say what are you guys doing we want to do this with you you know and then they began coming from the surrounding towns and then they began coming from all over england and then they began coming from all over europe and all over the world and can we franchise this and what are you doing and pete's going i don't know uh, what's your five-year plan we don't have one <laughs> God just said, pray. So we're praying. And now there are hundreds of 24-7 prayer rooms scattered around Europe. I never thought I would see in the darkness of Europe 24-7 prayer going on anywhere 
let alone every place that we're now seeing it. The great revivalists, and since my vision, I've read everything I can on every revivalist. I want to see what they did right and what they did wrong, and I want to honor, even if they wound up badly, I want to honor what they did correctly. And I see that the, the, that the push from early revivalists was falling short of where the Lord wants us to be. Jonathan Edwards was so nearsighted that he had to read his sermon like this. <laughs> he was not charismatic. He was ugly. And, he, the, and the sermon that he preached that started the Great Awakening in Massachusetts was called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And I'm going, oh, <laughs> what about the joy? <laughs> you know, after you repent, then I want you to get in a place where you can receive joy unspeakable. Okay, there are no words in any language on the face of the earth. That's why it's called joy unspeakable. And he wants to pour it out on you. And the Holy Spirit works mostly at night. So if he taps you on the shoulder in the middle of the night and says, get up, come, let's adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Go do it. You're going to find out things you never, ever imagined before. Never imagined. I just keep telling Jesus, I just didn't know that Christianity was like this. I just thought it was all crackers and, and, and water, you know, and, and white knuckling until the rapture, you know, and, and it isn't. It's abundant life, and it's right now, and I'm powerful. I'm powerful, and I want you to know that this is the only thing that's going to reach the Middle East. This supernatural power and intimacy with the Lord is the only thing that is going to open the doors. I just came from a conference in Vancouver, B.C., Canada, of ex-Muslims who love Christ with all of their hearts. And a pastor from Iran and his wife came to the podium and she gave her testimony. And she stood there trembling, just trembling and shaking. And she said, I can't give my testimony without crying. And she was just shaking and shaking. And I thought, this has got to be good. <laughs> she was the first one in her family to find Jesus. And the family went nuts. They just, what are we going to do with this girl? She was fearful for her life. You know, we come to Christ and we get patted on the back. You know, that's really good. You know, finally got you in, you know, the door. Wow, that's so great. There they go, we're going to kill you. <laughs> you have dishonored this family. So I'm almost immediately her mother contracted cancer, deadly, incurable. She was going to die. And her daughter prayed for her and God healed her. 50 family members came to the Lord. 50 family members came to the Lord. This is what's shaking the world in the Muslim countries. This is the only thing. You know why? Because Allah doesn't heal anybody. <laughs> Allah doesn't exist. <laughs> so when Muslims pray to Allah... He says nothing. And when they finally turn to the Lord, the Lord is just all over them like a duck on a June bug. I mean, really, that, that's, that's not sacrilegious. He's, he's so excited. He's standing here waiting for us, you know, jumping up and down. And we just can't see him. You know, we can't see that he's so excited. He's just like, oh, come on, come on. Is today the day you're going to open your eyes and see me here? Is it today? You know, I'm hiding behind every bush. And every corner, and I'm, I'm, I'm reaching out to jump you and embrace you, and we're just kind of like this. You know, and we see ourselves present past. We see all of our sins all accordioned up into who we are right now in the present. But heaven sees us future present. Heaven sees us finished. Heaven only records our victories. And so all of heaven and all of the angels are standing around this guy who's like this, and they're going, what's the matter with him? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I can't figure it out. And so they want you to see him as he is. 
They want you to see him in the form that transforms you, that makes you into a new person. I, we buried Ron two years and two months ago. <laughs> oh, I am so ruined for the ordinary. It's just, you know, I've got so much to tell you. And, and I do. I, I want to get into it. And I want you to know that we went to Egypt and the revolution was tremendous. Every police station was burned to the ground. There are no police stations left, which is very good because it was the police who was arresting Christians and taking them and torturing them and getting names. And and now the Christians are free to be who they want to be. Yeah. The Christians are jumping up and down. I've never taught such an amazing group. I went in May. And I'm, and I'm getting ready to do my teaching thing, you know? So I get into it, and I'm 15 minutes into teaching them about healing. You know, we can all do this, you know? Jesus said so. He said, greater things than these are you going to do because I go to the Father. You will lay hands on people, and they will recover. Do we believe that, or have we sunk into a place of tolerated unbelief? You can. So I'm teaching these guys, and I see after 15 minutes, they want to do it. They want to get up and do it now. Stop talking. (laughs) So we did. Our contact in Alexandria, her brother is married to a woman who has had to be helped out of bed every morning because a disc in her back is 90% displaced. The doctor x-rayed her and said to her, if I was your father, I would take you immediately to surgery. Well, he didn't, and I know why. (laughs) Because God was going to heal her. So I had an instant just pour water and stir prayer posse. They just soaked up everything that you could tell them. And so we went over to their house. We prayed for her for half an hour, and nothing happened. This is really important, okay? Nothing happened. So normally a Christian would go, well, I guess healing just doesn't work for me. So I'm never going to try that again because that was really embarrassing. (laughs) Nothing happened until the next morning. But see, if we didn't have contact with her, we wouldn't know what happened 24 hours later or 36 hours later. Her husband called us and said, Maria jumped out of bed this morning with no help, no pain, I took her to the hospital. I made them x-ray her back again. And the doctor came out and said, I don't know what you did, but this x-ray is not this x-ray. And this back does not need healing. I mean, does not need surgery. You do not need surgery. Her sister just visited us and gave us an extended report. She's still doing wonderful. So... I have to tell you also, in that prayer time, the Lord said to me, one of her legs is shorter than the other one. And I'm going, oh, that is so old school. (laughs) Don't make me grow out her leg. (laughs) The Lord said, her leg is short. So I'm going, okay. (laughs) So I told her, and I sat her in a chair and pulled her legs up. And these guys are going like, what are you doing? They never heard of it before. They never saw it before. And sure enough, I pulled her legs up and one was shorter than the other. And I said, you guys are going to lay hands on her and you're going to command that leg to pop out. And when I said that, it popped out. And they're all going like, did you see that? Did you see that? Oh my God, did you see that? So they're now, the, now they're growing everybody's legs out. <laughs> this is brand new for them. I get an email when I get back to the United States from IMAD. He's one of the missionaries that works on the Delta. He's Egyptian. He's not a foreigner. And he goes, you'll never believe that you'd be so proud of me. I grew out the leg of a Muslim woman in my village. And I'm going, men do not touch women in the Middle East. Uh, Christian men do not touch Muslim women in the Middle East. How did you do this? What happened? (laughs) I'm going, this is sensational. This is awesome. So we'll be back in September for an international women's meeting in Alexandria. I have to tell you that uh, women come from all over the Middle East to this conference, and they take back to the places that they're 
living and where they're going, whatever you teach them, whatever you show them, they act on it. They take it and they do it. Now, we have a school at our church called the Deeper School. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Deeper. You've got to go deeper in the Lord. And so people come to us from all over the world. And we had two girls come from Egypt, one from Cairo and one from Alexandria. And we had Friday evenings once a month. We have an encounter God night. And it's nothing more than come and get in his face. So we were encountering God and the Lord gave me a vision of Egypt. And I saw the, the Alexandrian Christians swimming off of, you know, the Nile River comes to the top around Cairo and then branches out to the Delta. And Alexandria is up here between Libya and the main part of the Delta. And I saw the Christians swimming in the Mediterranean off of Alexandria. By the way, Alexandria is the, the lighthouse city. I love that picture. It is the city where the apostle Mark went and planted the first church. The Coptics uh, claim that um, their church is the one that Mark, Mark planted. But I saw this vision of, of them swimming in light, not in water. And the light was traveling counter current up the delta into Cairo and then shooting like lightning into Ethiopia and Sudan. And so I went to one of the girls and I said, look, this is, this is what the Lord showed me. And she's going, that's awesome. Now, you have to know that both in Alexandria and in Cairo, they're setting up 24-7 prayer rooms. They are serious. They're serious about getting in the face of God. They're serious about doing the, 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 the things that the scriptures say that they can do. So all this happened. First, I want to tell you that, that my wife had a, a, a dream that we didn't understand, but it was four days before the revolution broke out. And she dreamed that the sun got bigger and bigger and bigger and exploded. And so we pay attention to the things that the Lord speaks to us in, in, in those times in the night. And I said, well, you know, if this has anything to do with Egypt, because we were, we were getting news of the boiling political temperature in Egypt, I said, Egypt's main God was Ra, the sun god. If it's about Egypt, then something's going to happen in Egypt. And four days later, the revolution broke out. And uh, you know the rest of the story. But the results of the revolution have been sensational. What we found out when we went to Egypt was that they're already going into uh, Ethiopia. They're even taking like three three-day jeep trips into the bush and taking materials uh, out to, to win the, the Ethiopian uh, tribal areas to the Lord with, with success. And then I want to tell you Sudan. Sudan, you never got the full story here in America of Sudan, and I do not know why. But the full story in a nutshell is that Arab Muslims moved into the capital city in the north, of Sudan, it's called Khartoum. And from there, they decided to ethnically cleanse all of Sudan, all of the Africans, all of the black Africans they wanted out, both Muslims and Christians. So what you heard in America was Darfur, 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 which is the Muslim area of Sudan. Darfur lost maybe 600,000 people in this ethnic cleansing. But South Sudan, which is Christian, lost 2.5 million people in this ethnic cleansing. So in this pressure cooker of South Sudan, the South Sudanese lost boys, which just simply means they've lost everything. They have nothing. Their families were killed. Their parents were killed. They walked the whole length of their country, north from the south to the north, through enemy territory, were captured and tortured by the Janjaweed, which are, just means the devil on horseback, these were the Arab Muslim uh, soldiers. And they walked all the way then across Egypt and breached the border between Egypt and Israel. My daughter was working in a hotel in Elat at that time, which is on the Red Sea, which is right at the Egyptian border. And she called me and she said, Dad, these people have nothing. Can your organization do anything? And I'm going, well, what do they, what do they want? What do you think they need? And she said, well, they need everything, but they're asking for Bibles. And they're asking for Bibles in English. 
And I'm going, oh, my gosh. So we sat one night and just asked the Lord, what do we do? And Carol said, let's just put a PayPal button on our website and you write an explanation of what's going on. And we'll just see what happens. We got up the next morning and there was $5,000 overnight for Bibles for the South Sudanese. Now they have their own country. Now they're going to go back. And do you realize that Israel is the first nation that has opened diplomatic relations with the new country of South Sudan? You can know for sure that with diplomatic relationships with Israel, that the, the uh, Arab Muslims from the north will no longer bother them. And I have to tell you, there's a, a, a fairly famous revivalist here from the, from the United States whose life fell into shambles. His wife left him, and he just lost his whole uh, Christianity. He actually rented himself out as a mercenary soldier in Afghanistan. And then he learned what was going on in South Sudan. So he went to South Sudan and set up a camp to train the South Sudanese lost boys how to battle against the, the Janjaweed, against the, the Arab Muslims from the north. <laughs> this is a picture of what's going to happen in South Sudan spiritually. 300 soldiers that he trained defeated 10,000 Arab Muslims. 300 to 10,000. It was like Gideon. Well, now this place, this barrack area that he worked from is no longer needed as a training camp. So they are turning it over to American missionaries for a training school in South Sudan. These guys are going to tear a hole in the universe in that area of Africa. I know that. I know that. (laughs) I want to go there and be with them. I want to go there and help train them. I want to put into their hands the things that they need to do the warfare that they need to do. You know, Graham Cook is one of our pastors, if, if you know who he is. But I love, I love when he goes to speak at a church because before he begins speaking, he has everybody come up front and he says, I just want you to close your eyes and imagine that you're in a battle. And your enemy so outnumbers you. And you've got a little ragtag band of soldiers and you're face to face with them and there's no way to back up. You can't back up. You've got to fight the battle. You know you're going to die. And they're bigger than you. They're, they're more equipped than you. They're better trained than you. But you steal yourself and you know what's going to happen. And he says, but then I want you to just look up 18 inches above your enemy's heads. And you're going to see Jesus going... You're so going to do this. (laughs) You're so over-equipped for this battle. God has given you everything you need. Do you realize that? He said so. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do you believe him? All power. All power. And nothing can hurt you. I road test this stuff. I do. When I was in Bible school and we used to witness door to door, all of the students would go past a house that had a chain link fence with a, with a ravening dog. And I just stand there at the gate and quote him the scripture and he'd sit down and I'd open the gate and go in. And the guy would go, how did you get past my dog? (laughs) And I'd say, well, let me tell you, this is yours. This stuff is yours. And you can do anything you want with it. You are so powerful. You have no idea. And like I said, Satan doesn't know where you are. He doesn't know what you're going to do. And I have to tell you, this picture is now exploding through the Middle East. And the Egyptian Christians are now standing on their heads to get all the information they can to get trained to to do the stuff. Ethiopia, South Sudan... And now Baghdad. The night I watched the video clip that I'm going to show you, I did not sleep all night. I did not sleep all night. My body was so filled with excitement and electricity. I just thought, I cannot believe the time we are living in. The Anglican vicar of Baghdad, his name is Canon Andrew White, uh, 
was driven out of Baghdad, out of his church. The church was dismantled by Saddam Hussein 12 years before we went in. Okay, so he had to go back to the UK and, you know, like, who am I? What am I? My heart is in Baghdad with those beautiful people. And here I am stuck and my church has just been scattered. So for 12 years, he sat like that waiting (laughs) for us. He is so in love with us. We get enough back talk about having gone into Iraq. And this man goes, I cannot thank you enough for coming and deposing this man. You have no idea what you set up, that you set the chessboard for Isaiah chapter 19. <laughs> you set the chessboard for Isaiah chapter 19. Now, I know that the final picture here is millennial. I know that the highway will not be finished. But you have to realize that three nations are talking about this at the same time. Assyria, which is Canon Andrew White from Baghdad. Dan Juster from uh, Messianic congregation in Israel just wrote a letter called the Isaiah 19 highway and Egypt. Ah, you know what the Egyptian Christians did? They held a repentance ceremony for the Pharaohs who threw the Jewish babies into the Nile river. Oh, oh my goodness. A repentance ceremony for the Pharaohs thousands of years ago. I go, you know what? This is the platform for revival. Number one, repentance is the platform. But to go back to your people is like Daniel apologizing for his whole nation. Who, a man who was not guilty saying, God, I'm sorry for what my people have done. And the Egyptian Christian saying now, God, we are sorry for what our ancient Pharaoh leadership did. Nothing but amazing stuff can come out of that. Now, I want to show you, first of all, can you put up the picture? This is amazing. This is two American soldiers. We gave Saddam Hussein's throne to Canon Andrew White. (laughs) Oh, that is so beautiful. Can you see that God's man is sitting on the throne of one of the most horrible dictators in the history of the world? And you see the poster behind him? This is what Andrew White was fed. I mean, this is what Saddam was fed over and over and over by his generals, that they were the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. That's why when he said, you have just started the mother of all wars, because they lied to him to keep, them, to keep from being shot to death at a conference table. So you see, you see what Saddam thought he could do. And Andrew White baptized ex-Muslims in Saddam's swimming pool. So, Andrew White's father happened to have been a friend of Smith Wigglesworth. (laughs) And Andrew White's father was given the Bible of Smith Wigglesworth. Now, I'm going to tell you what said in the video that I'm going to show you because it's a little hard to understand. Number one, because the sound is not so good. And also because Andrew White talks like this. He's a Brit. And he also has MS. But he pastors a congregation of 4,000 people whom he says everyone that comes for healing to this church gets healed. 100% healing rate. But he's got MS. So he comes to California to Bill Johnson's church in Reading. They wanted him to speak about what's going on in Baghdad. And the first-year students in the college there at Bethel in Redding, California, prayed for him in the healing room the Friday morning before he spoke Friday night. And Canon Andrew White began to jump up and down and run up and down the hallways. God healed him. (laughs) And he said that night when he spoke, I know why God didn't heal me in Baghdad. Because it was saved for you. So in this video clip that you're going to see, there's two Bibles lying on the table. And the one is Smith Wigglesworth's Bible. It was given to his father. 
And he says, every page of this Bible is underlined except Isaiah 19. And he said, because the revivalists of the past did not understand it, it was categorically saved for this generation. I'm going, oh, (laughs) go ahead and show that video clip if you would. section reads that's isaiah 19 starting with 23 on that day there will be a highway from egypt to assyria assyria will go to egypt and egypt to assyria and egypt will worship with assyria on that day israel will form a triple alliance with egypt and assyria a blessing within the land the lord of hosts will bless them saying egypt my people assyria my handiwork and israel my inheritance are blessed i want to close with two things Number one, I've told you that your world is being turned upside down. Africa is being turned upside down by the miraculous. Uh, Iris Ministries, which is Heidi Baker and Roland Baker, and not only just them, many other ministries as well. Uh, The president of the Sharia Law University from Tripoli, Libya, was interviewed on Al Jazeera News. This is the CNN of the Muslim world out of Qatar, one of the Arab Emirate uh, nations. And in this 45-minute interview, the, the um, president of this university said, every hour, every hour in Africa, 700 Muslims are coming to the Lord. 16 million per year. His final analysis was, in a very short time, we will see Africa with no Islam, whatever. I'm going, we've only got 7 million in America. Only 7 million Muslims in America. What are we doing? Why, why can't we see the same things going on? I believe that we can. And I just want to read you what came also over a radio station about Iris Ministries, which is Heidi and Roland Baker. It says, during the season of Ramadan, uh, a radio announced in uh, Mozambique, we are losing the battle to Iris Ministries. We cannot keep up with them. They feed the poor. They take in orphans. The dead are being raised. The blind see. The crippled walk. And the deaf hear. We are losing the battle. Yes. They are losing the battle. And it's all over healing. It's all over healing. Heidi Baker will go into a a Muslim village in Mozambique and say, Bring me someone who the whole village knows is blind or deaf. And they bring the person. 
They pray for the person. The person is healed and the entire village comes to Christ. They have planted 8,000 churches in five years. Not two people, but Iris Ministries. 8,000 churches. They are training as fast as they can train. They are feeding as fast as they can feed. We can't keep up with it. It's like a prairie fire in Africa. And it's going to spread to many other places in the world. And it's through the miraculous and it's mostly through healing. So just before I went to Egypt, the Lord is so good. He just sends you so equipped. And, and, I, and, and I have the wonderful privilege of reading the scriptures in the original language. So I'm reading in Exodus 28:41, And I'd like for you to look at that section of scripture, if you would. Exodus 28:41, <clears throat> And it's Moses speaking to Aaron and saying to Aaron, Aaron, I want you to bring your sons to me and I want you to dress them gloriously. They're going to be my priests. And he says, I want you to anoint them and consecrate them and sanctify them. So when I get a group of words like that, I always go to see exactly what they are in Hebrew. So I'm and you can do this yourself. You don't even have to speak Hebrew. Blue letter Bible. On Internet, Blue Letter Bible, you can pull it up. It's the whole entire Bible. And the six buttons on the side, the one on the top row that says C is concordance. You can just click on that and it will bring up the Hebrew and all of the Strong's words for you. You can just click on a word and see exactly what it means. So I got to consecrate. And in the Western mind, consecrate means if I have three things and one I'm going to give to the Lord, I set it aside and I say, Lord, this belongs to you and these two are mine. That's how we think of consecration. But that's not what it says in Hebrew. In Hebrew, it says, fill up their hands. <laughs> I'm going, that's consecrate? That's consecrate? So I'm teaching this in Egypt. And I always like for my interpreter to read the scriptures in their own language so that they can hear and make sure that I'm saying uh, what is correct, what I've said. And I understand Arabic enough to, to be able to follow along. And when they got to the word consecrate in Arabic, it said the same thing that it does in Hebrew. So <laughs> I'm jumping up and down and I'm going, I love Arabic. That's amazing. It says the same thing. So we just did a little exercise. And I want to do that with you this morning as we close here. And God didn't say to Moses, gather them and I will fill up their hands. He said to Moses, gather them and you Fill up their hands. So in one of my intercessory prayer times about six months ago, I was just standing in my living room, just lost in, in the beauty of the Lord. And he said, hold out your hands. I'm going to give you gifts. So I stood there like this. And I began to actually feel the weight of things being placed on my hands. And it, it be began to get so heavy that I finally had to get down with my hands on the floor like this. And he's going... I'm freely giving these to you, and now I want you to give them away. So this morning, as we close, I'd like you to just hold out your hands. And, you know, I could invite you up here for healing this morning, but I would rather release healing into your hands, and you can heal each other. If you're not already, I, I suppose many of you are already doing that. But if you're not, then let's start it today. If I can release healers all over, this is where the prairie fire begins. You know, you find yourself in a mall and somebody walks by you on crutches. And I understand, I understand the fear that goes through you. You go, oh, I want to pray for that person, but I'm so terrified nothing will happen. Don't be terrified. Start yourself a journal and write down every person that you pray for. Keep journaling until you've got at least 100 and then go back over them and see how many things have happened. Okay? So with these outstretched hands, I deliver to you the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, uh, joy unspeakable. Uh, healing is in those gifts, by the way. And some of you may begin to feel a manifestation in your hands. Some people feel warmth. Some people feel tingling. Some people feel like there's a silk scarf being pulled over your hands. Some people feel a tension in the palm of their hands that kind of radiates up your, up your forearm. Whatever it is, just know 
that God is now imparting to you these things that you will need to do everything that he's called you to do here on the face of the earth. He doesn't want you to be white knuckling until he comes to take you to heaven. He wants to live abundant life through you here now and start a forest fire around you that will fill up this church to overflowing. You'll have to knock out the walls. A revival is coming. We see it on the horizon that will be much more powerful than the Jesus people revolution. It will not be a revival. It will be a revolution. And it is coming. And to, to, to stand in the midst of that group of people in Houston and feel the power, to feel the power of those people praying, you would have to know we have reached critical mass and there's no going back. There's no backing up anybody's truck. <laughs> Lord, I thank you. I thank you this morning for what you want to do in this congregation. I thank you for, for what you're going to do in the miraculous. I thank you that these people have the right, the biblical, scriptural right to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I bless you for that, Lord. I bless you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. And I just want to end with this one thought. You know why they can't find the Holy Grail? You know what the Holy Grail is? It's the cup that Jesus served the last communion at that last Passover meal with his disciples. And the Catholic Church has been looking for it, you know, forever because it's so powerful, you know, and they, you know, they imagine it to be this beautiful silver chalice. It wasn't. It was probably just a clay bowl. And you know why they can't find it? Because you, (laughs) you are the Holy Grail. You are the receptacle of the blood of Jesus. You are the carrier. (laughs) You are the carrier of that blood. The first drop of blood that came from the first stripe on his back paid for the healing of the world. It only took one drop. I know it wasn't just one drop. It was many drops. And then his blood that was shed from his body paid for our salvation, but we're, we're healed through that blood. We are saved through that blood. We are washed in that blood. We, <laughs> I love that you sang like you did this morning because there are churches that are telling their people, we can't talk about the blood because it just freaks people out. Uh, do you watch what their kids are gaming? <laughs> Come on, blood, that's nothing. They would understand it. You know what? You're going to deliver the Harry Potter generation. You know what? They already know that there's a spirit world with power. They know it. They're being tormented by it. Twelve-year-olds are being tormented at night by the things that are coming from World of Warcraft. You're going to deliver them. You're going to deliver them. Oh, (laughs) I'm so happy I could just pass out. (laughs) Brother, I'm turning it back over to you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much.